This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. You're driving the herd too fast, cabron. You'll lose them. I know what I'm doing, Carrillo. And when I own a ranch of my own, you'll see who's the cabron. I don't know how they do things in Alabama, but this is California. You need more than some sheep to get you a ranch. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Doña Merced. Miss Merced, how was your ride? Refreshing as ever, Mr. Rains. And how are you? Any day is a good day, in the presence of a beautiful lady. Dios mio. Well, I thank you, sir. But the moment is only fleeting, I'm afraid. My father is expecting me back for dinner. Too short a visit as ever, ma'am. Till next time. Goodbye, Doña Merced. You better keep your eyes on them lambs, unless you want Don Julian sending every two-bit vigilante Californio after your hide. I was just being polite. Lusting after the boss's daughter is gonna bring you nothing but trouble, amigo. Mark my words, I've seen men shot for a lot less. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case. You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unsolved Murders for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today we're discussing the murder of John Raines, a wealthy rancher and entrepreneur in 1860s Greater Los Angeles. We'll follow the trail of evidence as it leads to a series of potential suspects 
and discuss the mysterious theories surrounding the case. In 1847, the short-lived Republic of California was acquired by the United States, the spoils of the Mexican-American War. The Californians, referred to as Californios, welcomed American settlers who flooded into the state in search of opportunity. Among these newcomers was 20-year-old Alabama native John Raines. Raines was a shepherd of modest means, but he had lofty ambitions. He'd previously been a soldier and a cattle driver, and he sought to finally make his fortune out west. During his first few years in California, Raines tried his hand at many business ventures, including purchasing a hotel, the Bella Union. He also ran an unsuccessful campaign to be the Los Angeles County Sheriff. In 1853, around the age of 26, Raines was employed as a ranch hand at the Rancho Santa Ana del Chino under Isaac Williams. Known to the Californios as Don Julian, Mr. Williams was a wealthy landowner and son-in-law to one of the original Californio patriarchs, Don Antonio Maria Lugo. It was in Don Julian's employment where John Raines met William's teenage daughters, Francisca and Maria Merced. Doña Maria Merced was the principal heiress to Don Julian's substantial fortune, which made her one of the most eligible bachelorettes in Los Angeles. But despite the many men vying for her hand, Maria's attention turned toward the charming Southern cowboy, John Raines. Whether it was out of desire for her or for her father's fortune, John pursued Maria in earnest. As the two grew closer, veiled flirtation turned into something more. Ranch staff often saw them together on Don Julian's expansive property, deep in conversation. You know, my father has been speaking very highly of you. Well, anything I can do to help Don Julian is praise enough. Don't fake modesty, Mr. Raines. I can see right through you, and I see your hunger, your passion. You are not contented with your station. Is that the hunger you see, ma'am? I am ready for more flattery. It's never been flattery, Maria. It's truth. John and Maria cautiously continued their courtship, stealing away to see each other under the cover of night or in hidden places on the ranch. Though whether or not Don Julian expressly disapproved of the match is unknown, the couple avoided the patriarch's watchful eye. But soon, there would be no need for vigilance. In September of 1856, Don Julian passed away. John and Maria wasted no time sealing their bond. Just days after Don Julian's death, the couple married. He was 29 and she was only 17. Their marriage made the lowly Alabama-born cowboy one of the richest men in California. Having achieved the social mobility he long sought, Rain started making moves to solidify his new wealth. Mere months later, Maria's younger sister, Francisca, followed suit, marrying a Kentucky-born prospector named Robert S. Carlyle. Little is known about the 27-year-old Carlyle outside of the fact that he'd arrived in California during the gold rush, but like his new brother-in-law, Carlyle was a fierce opportunist. 
After their respective marriages, the two couples lived together at the Rancho Santa Ana del Chino for a short time. But Carlisle and Reigns grew tired of sharing space and wealth. The two men decided to take legal control of their wives' birthright by dividing each sister's inheritance. This involved selling a few thousand of Maria's cattle and a portion of the ranch to Carlisle for $25,000, worth over roughly $700,000 today. But neither Maria nor Francisca were consulted before their husbands parceled off their assets. And that's that. Here you go, Robert. Thank you, John. I assume your wife is all right with this? Maria's been under a lot of stress dealing with the children as of late. She needn't have more to worry about. Hmm, very right. I was about to say the same thing about my Francisca. They both trust that we can run the estate, so why burden them? More money in our hands and food on the table is a good thing for all of us. Here, here. With the inheritance divided, Reigns could finally pursue his plans to make his own fortune. In short time, he purchased the Rancho Cucamonga, a 13,000-acre plot of land northeast of the ranch. Despite using his wife's money for the sale, Reigns put the deed in his own name. As he developed his newly acquired estate, John Reigns began other business ventures. On Rancho Cucamonga, he planted grapes with the goal of starting his own winery. He installed a complex and expensive irrigation system on the property and hired a dedicated staff of workers sinking thousands into the project. But soon he began to strain his credit and was forced to sell off livestock to fund his enterprise. Slowly but surely, Reigns was running his wife's estate into the ground. But this didn't stop Reigns from pursuing his ambitions. In 1859, he ran for the California State Senate nearly defeating the incumbent. The following year, he was appointed to be a delegate to the Democratic National Convention, a trip he funded by selling more of his wife's cattle without her knowledge. As John Rain's influence in California continued to grow, rumors of his financial woes began to circulate, but his true colors weren't fully revealed until the American Civil War. In 1861, the Civil War plunged the country into turmoil. The state of California sided with the Union. However, many people in the free state believed in the Confederacy's pro-slavery cause. Including 34-year-old John Raines. Not only was he an avid Democrat, but he was also a former Southerner. So he supported secession from the Union in secret he started a California movement to support the Confederacy from afar. He and other secessionists used his Bella Union Hotel as a meeting place to recruit soldiers for the South. Rain's actions were traitorous, as he was supporting an enemy state from within his own nation. In order to protect his own interests, he and his cohorts operated in secrecy. However, their plotting drew the attention of the U.S. government thanks to a spy who knew about Rain's operations from the inside, Jose Ramon Carrillo, the superintendent of Rain's cattle. When Rain's discovered that Jose had been feeding information about his activities to the authorities, he was furious and confronted his cattle manager directly. John, 
You know you can knock. Carrillo! You backstabbing cattle rustler! You informed on me to the marshal! Yes, John. I told him you support secession. We are at war. This is freedom of speech? What kind of government are you fighting for if you cannot state an opinion? Supporting traitors isn't free speech, John. It's treason. Well, you would know something about betrayal. I no longer require your services, Don Jose. Now get the hell off my property. It's your wife's property, John. Always will be. News of Rain's heated fight with Carrillo soon spread through the community. Rain's financial troubles were well known across town, but new rumors also emerged that Carrillo was having an affair with Maria Merced. Though this gossip had no basis in fact, it tainted the reputation of the entire Rain's family. These rumors, paired with his growing business problems, proved to be a heavy burden for John Rain's. And the advent of the war between the states only added to the strain. He was desperate to find a way to dig himself out of the financial hole he'd put himself in. On November 17, 1862, 35-year-old John Rains set out from Rancho Cucamonga to enact a bank loan he'd arranged in nearby Los Angeles. Though the distance wasn't far, the journey into the city and back would take days. Maria, now 23, went to see him off. Do you have everything? Your pistols? My pistols? Dearest, I'm going to the bank, not the war. I'm sorry. I just worry. John, you know I'd rather know than wonder. Your business at the bank, is it? You won't need to know, dear. We'll be more flush than you can imagine. Kiss the children for me. Yeah. Maria watched as Rains rode into the night. Unbeknownst to her, it was the last time she would see her husband alive. Two days later, Rains' horses returned to the ranch without their rider or his wagon. After days with no word, Maria grew increasingly frantic. Soon, concerned neighbors and family mounted a massive search to find him. Eleven days after his disappearance, Robert Carlyle found his brother-in-law's body in a thick cactus patch. John Rains had been lassoed from his wagon and shot four times at close range. A local merchant named Charles Johnson wrote of the murder. It is generally supposed that the deed was done out of pure revenge. And that woman is at the bottom of it. Coming up, the manhunt for Rain's murderer begins, and several suspects are apprehended. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to the story. Alabama-born John Raines was a cowboy and aspiring entrepreneur when he arrived in California in 1847. He married Maria Merced Williams, a wealthy heiress, and became one of the richest men in California. In November of 1862, 35-year-old John Raines' body was discovered. He had been lassoed from his wagon and shot to death at point-blank range. In the chest, back, and side. When Maria Merced learned of his murder, she was devastated. At the time, she was pregnant with their fifth child. Murder wasn't uncommon in the Los Angeles area in the 1860s, but Raines was a pillar of the community and his murder case became especially high profile. Judge Benjamin Hayes immediately took up the investigation to find out who was behind the scandalous crime. Armed with the power of the law, he set about interviewing all of Rain's business associates, family, and friends. However, Rain's brother-in-law, 33-year-old Robert Carlyle, had his own plans. Thirsting for vengeance, Carlyle decided to take the search for his brother-in-law's killer into his own hands. He rallied his friends and launched a sweeping manhunt. Come on, boys, saddle up. Mr. Carlyle, with all due respect, shouldn't we be involving the marshal in this hunt? Surely the law would want to know we're covering ground. The law's not gonna do nothing. The marshal was already looking into John for supporting secession. For all we know, they're the ones that did him in. My brother was a good man who some no-good bushwhackers saw fit to murder in cold blood. And we're gonna find those cowards, and we're gonna give them as good as they gave. After a sweep of the town produced no credible witnesses or suspects, Carlisle's search soon led closer to home. He began making accusations all over the ranch, charging employees and ranch hands of Rain's murder with little regard for evidence. This maverick investigation caused Rain's widow, Doña Maria Merced, a great deal of distress. Her loyal staff was being accused of her husband's murder, and soon she felt an overwhelming sense of panic. She had no idea who she could trust. But Maria's troubles were about to loom even larger. Not long after Rain's death, she spoke to her late husband's attorney, Jonathan Scott. I'm sorry to inform you, Mrs. Merced, but your husband left behind a fair share of debt. It's all right, Scott. I'll manage. Now that I'm in charge of the vineyard, the wine will start to make returns. That's another thing, Mrs. Merced. The deeds aren't in your name. What? None of your property, the cattle, the house, Rancho Cucamonga, belongs to you. The deeds were all signed in John's name only not yours. Surely this can't be legal. I'm afraid it is, ma'am. He was your husband, after all. 
and you were his lawyer, Mr. Scott. If we don't resolve this immediately, I'll find someone to take you to court for what he did to me. Maria was caught in a bind, and once the news of Rain's fiscal malfeasance spread, things got even worse for her. The town gossips conjured up a scandalous accusation that Maria had him murdered because of his reckless spending. These rumors weighed on the 23-year-old widow. In the wake of her husband's murder, the news that Rains had robbed her of her inheritance was almost too much to bear. But she was determined to make things right. Maria met with Rains' lawyer once more, but this time she brought her brother-in-law, Robert Carlyle, to discuss the fate of the estate. Now, with all that said, you have the children to take care of. I am well aware, Robert, but I will manage. I have the staff to assist me, and selling the estate will only bring further scandal. I'm determined to keep the ranch within the family. Debtors be damned. On that, we agree, Miss Merced, which is why we think that you should sign over power of attorney to your brother-in-law. Robert? He already owns a portion of the estate. Yes, and he is more than capable of running the ranch as well. A widow overseeing her late husband's affairs will only attract more attention. That ranch is my birthright, Mr. Scott. It's the best choice, Doña Merced. After hours of discussion, the young widow finally relented. With a few swift signatures, she officially signed over her entire estate to Robert Carlyle. He, in turn, swiftly sold off Maria's assets. Carlyle sold almost everything, from the wine to their remaining cattle. And while her brother-in-law was making a handsome profit, Maria continued to struggle with her late husband's debt. Under the already tragic circumstances of Rain's murder, it was an impossible burden for Maria to shoulder. Her only hope was that the authorities would soon find her husband's killer. Meanwhile, Judge Benjamin Hayes made a breakthrough in his investigation. His long series of inquiries had led him to a brothel that John Raines was said to have frequented while in Los Angeles for business. The owner of the bordello was an American Indian woman named Semanta, who was more than happy to comply with the investigation. She gave a list of names of men she claimed to have overheard conspiring to murder Raines. Each one was a Californio, and they were all supposedly organized by Don Jose Ramon Carrillo, Rain's former cattle superintendent. Everyone in town knew there was bad blood between Carrillo and Rain's. The heated confrontation happened shortly before his death, which made Carrillo a prime suspect. Carlyle eagerly perpetuated this theory, accusing Carrillo of organizing a politically based assassination of his brother-in-law. But the hunt for Carrillo came to a screeching halt when he peacefully turned himself in for questioning. Soon, Carrillo was put on trial to face the accusations made against him. You are aware that a great portion of this town believes you are guilty. I know, but I am as innocent as you. Will you answer any and all questions? See. Si. Carrillo argued that he had no motive for killing Reigns, and he provided an alibi. He was in Los Angeles when Reigns departed for the bank, nowhere near the site of the murder. Carrillo's defense was inarguable. 
Hayes released him, much to the disappointment of Carlisle and his supporters. However, the other men Semanta accused of Rain's murder were also brought into the sheriff's office. Among them was a man named Manuel Saradel, a ranch hand and associate of Carrillo's. But what should have been a routine questioning turned into a Western-style shootout. When deputies arrived to take Saradel in for questioning, he drew his gun, shooting and wounding one of the officers. A scuffle ensued, and the remaining deputies were forced to overpower Saradel, wrestling the gun from his hand when they arrested him on the spot. Though the law was ready to treat Saradel as innocent until proven guilty, his impulsive defense doomed him. While in the jailhouse, Saradel made his confession. Yeah, we killed him. Carrillo, he offered me $500 for it. I mean, who wouldn't for that kind of money? Once again, Jose Ramon Carrillo's innocence was called into question. He was brought back in for questioning, but his alibi was still rock solid. Carrillo was cleared of all wrongdoing, and Saradel's confession was dismissed as a lie. Perhaps Saradel lied in a bid to reduce his sentencing for attacking the deputy. But if this was the case, it didn't work. The convenience of Saradel's confession led Hayes to another suspicion, that Robert Carlyle was guilty of his brother-in-law's murder. Carlyle had no alibi on the day of the killing, and he was all too eager to accuse others of the crime. However, despite Hayes' growing suspicion, the investigator never acted on this hunch. After all, there was no direct evidence linking Carlisle to the murder, and at the time, he lacked a clear motive. Meanwhile, Manuel Saradel was convicted of a different crime, the attempted murder of an officer of the law. He was sentenced to five years at San Quentin and scheduled to be transferred on December 10, 1863. That night was a quiet one, as Sheriff Sanchez escorted Saradel onto the steamboat that would transport him to prison. He realized they weren't the only ones on board. Who goes there? Show yourself. What in the world? Stop, or I'll shoot. Stop, or I'll... That night, vigilantes appeared on the boat, overpowered Sheriff Sanchez, and took the prisoner for themselves. They threw a rope over the main mast of the steamship and strung him up, still shackled. Manuel Saradel was hanged until he died. After Saradel's death, the trail went cold. The official investigation into John Rain's murder would never find a new lead. Instead, Rain's killing had become a catalyst leading to more deaths in the wake of its chaos. In the 1860s, mysterious lynchings of suspected criminals like Saradel were far from unusual. So-called vigilance committees were established in many major cities in the West and essentially ran their own private mobs to seek out justice. Vigilantism in Los Angeles especially was at an all-time high. After Saradel's murder, the government simply turned a blind eye leaving his killers to roam the streets. And soon, rumors started circulating that Jose Ramon Carrillo would be their next victim. With no time to lose, Carrillo sought out the head of the vigilante committee in Los Angeles and made a case for his innocence. 
He never revealed who it was he spoke to, but his appeals worked. The men who executed Manuel Ceredel never came for him. But in spite of being found innocent three separate times, Carrillo's life was by no means free of trouble. He often found himself being stalked by associates of Robert Carlyle and insulted in the streets. Fearing for his life, Carrillo sent a letter to his brother, hoping to leave a trail in the case that he was indeed murdered. He wrote, If by bad luck I should happen to disappear, Bob Carlyle will know, and he will be the cause of my disappearance. And he is the one whom you should prosecute. When we return, we'll learn of Carrillo's fate and Doña Merced's fight for control of her property. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. And now back to the story. The 1862 investigation of John Rain's murder was only growing more twisted. After two years, the trail went cold and left an additional body in its wake. Two men were now dead, and even more feared for their lives. Rain's widow, 25-year-old Maria Merced, and Rain's former employee, 41-year-old Don Jose Ramon Carrillo, were now caught in the crossfire of vigilantes, all searching for revenge. Since being accused of Rain's murder, Carrillo had returned to his post at Rancho Cucamonga, serving as superintendent of the cattle and helping Maria with the ranch's operations. During one of his shifts on the ranch, Carrillo was forced to stay over due to a severe fever. The illness had him bedridden for weeks, but rumors began swirling around town that insinuated otherwise. People suspected that he and Maria were engaged in a scandalous love affair. As Carrillo recovered at the rancho, the vultures started circling. During this time, Maria's brother-in-law, Robert Carlyle, was seen visiting the estate on multiple occasions, talking with ranch hands in hushed tones. In the same week, a mysterious drifter named Louis Love appeared at the local inn. He was supposedly waiting for a group of friends to join him, but the posse never arrived. After weeks, Carrillo finally recovered enough to leave the rancho. And on May 21, 1864, 
Maria joined him on horseback to see to his safe return. But what was supposed to be a simple journey turned into something fatal. How are you holding up, Ramon? Never better, Donia. I missed this. The feel of the sun on my skin, the land, I... Ramon! Run, Donia! I can't! I can't leave you! Go! Yeah! Shot in the back, Jose Ramon Carrillo was taken to a nearby tavern for medical help. He knew that John Rain's murder was the reason for the attack. Even though he was grievously wounded, Carrillo still proclaimed his innocence. We need to get you a doctor. Don't bother. Uh, I'm done for. Why would someone do something like this? I never fought a man except face to face, much less murdered him in cold blood. But for all this, I am shot in the back. In his agony, Carrillo spoke his last words. I'm going to die, and I'm going to hell. I'm going to meet the devil and fight him. And may the best men win. With those words, Carrillo died. It had been two years since John Rain's murder, and now another former suspect was dead. The case had now claimed the lives of three different men. No one got a look at Carrillo's shooter, though some saw a man fleeing on foot. Meanwhile, Louis Love, the mysterious man who'd been staying at the local inn, vanished. The law quickly issued a warrant for his arrest. Love was later caught in San Francisco, but with no direct evidence linking him to Carrillo's death, he was acquitted. Don Jose Ramon Carrillo's murder was never solved. Having witnessed a friend and confidant murdered right before her eyes, 25-year-old Maria Merced was beside herself with grief. But her worries were only compounded by the severe debt John Raines had left her. Desperate for a solution, Maria appealed to her younger sister, Francisca. We really should see more of each other, Maria. Oh, I agree. But I'm afraid I'm, I'm not here for pleasantries. Of course, what is it? I need help, Franny. The children and I are drowning in John's debts. I'm sure there's something we can do, but I'll need to discuss it with Robert. Robert is the very reason I'm in this situation. He is making money off my property, Franny. That you signed over to him. I'm sorry, Maria, but if this is how you speak about my husband, I can't help you. You can. You just won't. Following Francisca's refusal to help her, Maria severed ties with her sister and filed a lawsuit against her brother-in-law, Robert Carlyle. The attorney she hired was the same man who led the investigation into her husband's murder, Benjamin Hayes. In the spring of 1865, as the Civil War ended, the case was tried in the Bay Area. The verdict would determine whether Carlisle and attorney Jonathan Scott had manipulated Maria into signing over her property. My client has been thoroughly abused by the men in her family. Not violently, but financially. It was through her father's means that the late Mr. Raines and Mr. Carlisle were able to make their fortune. And now, in the wake of her husband's death, 
Mr. Carlyle has stolen Doña Merced's assets entirely. It is my firm belief that he should be put as far away from Doña Merced as this court can permit. Hay's argument was compelling and passionate. His argument swayed the hearts of the court, and it was ruled that Carlyle's control of the estate had been obtained through fraud. Therefore, in the best interests of the children, Undersheriff Jack King was appointed to oversee the estate. Well, this ruling pleased Maria Merced and infuriated Carlyle, but it would be many months before he would take his retribution. On July 5, 1865, at a wedding reception at the Bella Union Hotel, Robert Carlyle was bitterly drinking when he spotted Jack King. Upset and drunk, Carlyle hurled insults and curses at the undersheriff. King slapped the drunken man, sparking a scuffle, but soon they were separated before either came to harm. Unsatisfied with the confrontation, Robert Carlyle pursued King into the hotel's ballroom and stabbed him with his personal bowie knife. The wounded undersheriff then drew his pistol and shot wildly at Carlyle as he retreated, missing every shot. Luckily, King survived the stabbing. The next day, Jack King's brothers, Frank and Houston, came to the hotel, intent on revenge. There they found Carlisle meeting with his lawyer. They briskly opened fire. Chaos erupted, and both Carlisle and Houston were shot almost immediately. Houston fell, wounded, but Carlisle kept standing. Frank and Carlisle continued the shootout and eventually started brawling in the street outside. When the sheriff intervened, Carlisle got off a final shot, killing Frank King. But Carlisle's victory was short-lived. Three hours later, he succumbed to his wounds and died. In the three years since John Rain's murder, four more men had fallen in its wake. Manuel Saradel was lynched, Ramon Carrillo was shot in the back, and both Frank King and Robert Carlyle had killed each other in the streets. The long and bloody affair had claimed its final victims, but the consequences of the initial killing continued to linger years afterward. 26-year-old Doña Maria Merced Williams was never able to pay off her husband's debts. She eventually had to sell the family house at Rancho Cucamonga and move to a working-class neighborhood. Though she outlived her husband by 40 years, she never recovered her status. Fifteen years later, in 1880, the census listed Maria as a laborer. Her sister Francisca, meanwhile, remarried to another wealthy man and continued to live in luxury. Maria and Francisca never spoke again. John Rain's murder was never solved, and the deaths of the investigation's main suspects only shrouded the case in more mystery. All that being said, it's well within reason that Robert Carlyle may have been Rain's murderer. After all, he fanned the flames of the rumors against Carrillo and profited greatly from his brother-in-law's demise. Agreed. The Saradell and Brothel confessions were too convenient, and the subsequent killings of the primary suspects only cast more doubt onto Carlyle. Whether he pulled the trigger that ended John Rain's life 
he was likely guilty of all four of the subsequent murders. The case of John Raines is a classic tale of the human cost of American opportunism. Both Robert Carlyle and John Raines took advantage of their wives and the people around them in the pursuit of a fortune. And ultimately, their greed led to tragedy for everyone in their wake. Thanks again for tuning into Unsolved Murders. I'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the Rains murder and subsequent events, amongst the many sources we used, we found Eternity Street, Violence and Justice in Frontier Los Angeles by John MacFarriger extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unsolved Murders, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unsolved Murders on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Paul Mahler. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Matthew Teamstra with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Rebecca Aarons Diamond, Sky King, Harris Markson, and Dan Velasquez. It stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy. 